Hi, I'm Jeff Brazier, and this is the NL Full Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full Time here from the heart of Manchester once again. I'm Luke Edwards, and many thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify. And joining us as ever it is Dickie Walton. Hello, Dickie. Good morning, Luke. And also we have Chris Pratt. Hello, Chris. Hello, Luke. And he's back after his uh, his little rest last week. It's uh, Rob Wall. Hello, Rob. Yeah, hi, boys. And uh, I was just thinking about the appearance records. And Dickie's on a good run now, isn't he? Uh, he's probably the most consistent of us all at the minute. Um, he's, he's been on every week since that week. He just went AWOL when he was up north. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, um, Rob was supposed to be playing football today, but he's uh, he's injured himself. Well, um, it might be doing cartwheels, but we'll find out why that might be later on. <laughs> well, just, what we're going to do though is we're going to head back to midweek because there was some significant action both on and off the pitch. There was a, a major announcement up at AFC filed on Monday where Jim Bentley left Morecambe after a 17-year association at the club. He was a football league's longest-serving manager, but he took on the challenge of becoming the new AFC file manager and on Monday I went up to Mill Farm to speak to the press officer Luke Lamborn and also the new manager of Fylde, Jim Bentley. Jim, obviously uh, it's kind of a new era at Fylde, isn't it? I mean, a lot of clubs talk about a new chapter. This is almost like a new book because since you become AFC Fylde, you're only the third manager in the history and you've left the club after a long time. Dave Challen, who was here before, he's left after a long time. So is it a bit of a strange feeling or how you, how, what are your emotions at the minute? Yeah, it's a very strange feeling because you know when you have 17 and a half years at one club, it's uh, you know it's always, it's going to be emotional. It's going to be very very difficult to, to say your goodbyes, etc. But you know I'm, I'm coming to a place where I've got big boots to fill because Dave Chandler has done very very well. The promotions that they've had, being only up the road, 30 mile up the road, it's always outside looking in. How the club's developed, we played them in a pre-season game a couple of years ago uh, at the old ground. We played them at the new ground in pre-season and they've gone from strength to strength it's been a real success story here and ultimately every, everything comes to an end in the end in football and uh, my time at Morecambe is now over and I'm looking forward to the challenge of hopefully getting this club back into well not back into the football into the football league uh, and myself back into the football league where I feel I belong Yeah you've just spoken then about obviously your frustration about not feeling like you weren't being backed at Morecambe it's going to be completely opposite here isn't it? It is yeah going from one extreme to the other you know I've never in eight and a half years at Morecambe, I've never spent a transfer fee. We've uh, we've always had the lowest budget in the division. It's been you know a real tough slog, but uh, you know it's it's getting to that stage where it frustrates you and uh, you want to have a little go when you you're backed and the chairman is, you know, he's got the uh, full support of his manager and uh, and likewise and, and and we're looking forward to it. You know, it, as I say, I've got a good feeling about it. There's a place on the up. It hasn't been a. a, a, a a club for very, very long, mm. but it's had real success in a short space of time. And hopefully, I can add to that and, and, and write myself into the history books here as well. Very honest uh, chairman as well. I'm sure you'll have some honest conversations with him as well. Yeah, that's it. And that's the way I work. You know, I don't hold grudges, I don't fall out with people. There might be odd words here and there, but uh, ultimately, you need a happy, you know, uh, honest working environment. And that's the feelings I get off. The chairman is he's that type. He's hands-on. He loves his he loves his club. He loves his football. And as I said previously, there he's he's taking a punt on me to look after his football club. I will give him absolutely everything to make sure that we're a success and and hopefully give him something to uh, really enjoy with his club getting into the or our club getting into the football league. So with the position you're in at the minute, has the chairman actually given you a, an ambition for this year? As he said, we want to get back in that playoffs again this year from where you are now. It's been a poor start, you know. It's a tough league. There's some big clubs, you know, clubs that have come across numerous times over the uh, the years as a football league club. Your Yeovils, Notts County, Chesterfield, you know, Wrexham. They're all ambitious clubs. So it is a tough league. They've had a difficult start um, for whatever reason. They are where they are, but they've had a good win at the weekend. There's a lot of football to be played. So, you know, the the very short term aim is to win tomorrow and try and get more points on the board. It's going to take a little bit of time to settle in. You know, new surroundings for me, new playing staff, etc. Uh, but we've got to have a little look at what we've got available, how everyone's looking, what we think we need to improve in. And when a team's just won, you know, the two games in the FA Cup and the league, you know, they, they should hopefully be in a, a, a better place than what they were previously. As I say, win the next game and then we'll move on after that and see uh, where we are. 
It must be good for you as well to have a change in mentality, not always thinking we're down at the bottom, but looking up now, really. Yeah, it's been very difficult at Morecambe. You know, I, I played a big part in getting promotion. Promotion. We were, um, you know, we were in and around the playoffs every year, and third time lucky when we beat Exeter at Wembley. So. Uh, that was pleasing, but obviously when you go up a level, you know the, the size difference takes its toll. We've always, well, usually been the mm. lowest average attendance, you know, lowest budget. We've struggled with train facilities. We've struggled with uh, ownership problems. All those things that you need to make yourself a success, we've struggled with. But we've battled on. I'm very proud of the uh, the job that we've done. But that's gone now. That's in the mm. uh, past. It's all about the future, and the future's uh, AFC file, and we're looking forward to. Uh, Hopefully, you know, being at the right end of the table, and as you say, the pressure is a little bit different. But it's the pressure that I want. It's the pressure that I want to thrive on. I want to be successful. I want to get used to winning games, and hopefully, we can do that here. And finally, it says 2022. You'll want to get up before then, won't you? Of course, yeah. That's uh, that's the aim. It, sooner rather than later. You know, everything's in place here as a football club to to play at the football league. That's the chairman's ambition, and uh, he's backed me to do that. And hopefully, I'll do that. And uh, as I say, I'll give me absolute all. That's the way I've been brought up for the people who believe in me, the people who will back me, and I'll give it absolutely all to make sure that we do that, hopefully before the year 2022 that's been stated. Jim, best of luck. Cheers. Thank you. So I'm here with the AFC File press officer, Luke Lamborn. And first of all, Luke, thanks for inviting us down this afternoon. We've just seen the unveiling of Jim Bentley, but of course, um, end of an era as well. I saw your tweet a couple of weeks ago saying um, there was a lot of tears when uh, Dave Challoner left. It must have been a really tough day, that. It was, and it was, it was one that... Obviously, each result comes and you kind of think about how it might come and, and if it does come. And, and obviously, when it did come about, it was a bit of a surprise because the Sutton game was, was called off and um, obviously the chairman had his reasons for doing it on that day because of um, him being away. But it was a, yeah, it was a, bit, of a bit of a gut punch, really, because you do get close to people. You work with them for a year and um, you know you had some, especially in the short time I was there, we had some fantastic um, memories going to Wembley and obviously losing the player final and then the trophy final and... Um, yeah, I was very, very close with, with Charlie and he was a brilliant person to work with. And uh, when you see close hand how um, how much it, it affected him, because really he'd brought the club up from nothing. If you think back to seven, eight years ago when he'd started, it was, you know, in, in, in Kenema Park and to where we are now. Mm. Um, it's not literally where we are now, standing in a kitchen, but, <laughs> <laughs> but to, where, yeah. to where the club's come to and what he'd grown, it was... Um, it was emotional for a lot of reasons, um, and it was it was really tough. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very nice kitchen, though, <laughs> that they have got here. Um, but in terms of yeah, was it is it sad how quickly it unravelled? Because obviously we were back here in May time for the the playoff pre-playoff final press conference, and you were at Wembley twice, and then within what four months he's out of a job, isn't he? I think what what it shows you is the, the kind of short termism of football, yeah. um, and it, it is something that. I guess can maybe feel it down for the Premier League. People see managers chopped and change all the time and maybe it's slowly, slowly sort of feeling it down, I don't know. Obviously, having Jim Bentley here today, who's been the other longest-serving manager, maybe there's, there's something mm. in the air at the moment, I don't know. But, um, yeah, it was a period where um, it's been a lot of change and still, still a lot of things changing. It was um, him and Colin Woodford, his assistant, came in on the Monday and, and said their goodbyes and there was hugs and whatnot. And um, it, was, it was a sad time, but um, unfortunately, that's, that's kind mm. of the nature of football and... Um, I think they, they understand that and um, as did the staff at work with them. Yeah, you've got Jim Bentley now, as you say. He's really, really driven and, and he gets his chance now. And it'll be interesting to see how he's done because he's worked literally on a shoestring at Morecambe, hasn't he? And now he's going to have a lot more resources to work with. So that'll be interesting from, from his point of view and the club's point of view now. He's been, um, he's been really straight with everyone so far. He's been, you know, he's, he's told people, you know, him and his team are honest, they're honest people. That, that's what they're prided on. You heard a couple of his answers in the press conference. Yeah. He was saying how... Um, the, the board at Morecambe were almost like voting against him on Facebook mm. polls and that kind of yeah. underhanded nature he didn't like so um, I guess one of the things from him will be the kind of team unity um, he'll bring to everyone he, he described Morecambe as being like a family so so it'll be interesting I think different managers have different um, strengths I think sort of Shelley I think for me his preparation and his tactical understanding of the game was I mean far beyond this league and I don't think it'll be long before we, we see him in the football league <laughs> maybe Morecambe who knows well I did see that as a suggestion on Twitter that would be what, weird wouldn't it it would be weird um, but Jim is obviously going to have lots of strengths on his own he's to, to be in the job where he has been for, for that period of time and, and into those constraints would have built an enormous amount of character and I think really he'll be desperate to, to come here and, and do what he can to um, as he said to me earlier it's about he wants a CV he wants promotions on it mm. not just survival mm. he seems more of a motivator he seems more 
like you say, he'll be, he'll be hands-on and, and really get in the faces of players, won't he? I think so, yeah. I think it's, um, as I said, about different kind of strengths and sometimes your um, your man management can be um, one of the one of your best things about you. I mean, you look at, it's a bit of an extreme example, I guess, but you look at Harry Redknapp. Yeah. For me, not really someone who's much of a great tactician, but from being a man manager, I've managed to um, motivate some pretty good teams. So, um, yeah, as I say, they're different strengths of different managers and um, so far from what I've seen of Jimmy, he's been really impressive, he's been really good with all the staff. Even when he came for his initial interview, actually, I met him and I got him a coffee and we, we got chatting and he said, Luke, you're, um, you've come up from Surrey, haven't you? So he'd obviously done his research, which, which goes to show you, I mean, yeah. as a manager of a football club, little things like that, just mm. you know, the attention to detail and getting to know people, things like that I think are really important. So, um, yeah, we're, we're delighted to have him here. Finally, off the field stuff, the hotel's built now. Last time we came here, it wasn't. I mean, that, that's obviously thriving as well. That, that must be, it must be great to see stuff just happening here every day. It's a, it's a fantastic. We are, first of all, we're really, really um, lucky with the facilities we've got here. It's not lost on us um, when people come in. We had Peter Sports come in the FA Cup recently, and and the feedback they gave us was for me the, the biggest positive of the day, not the result. The fact that um, you know they were they say they were treated like royalty, how warm the welcome was. To, to me, that's you know I've come from humble beginnings, you know, with um, Hampton and Richmond, where in the Beverly, the, the Beverly we were, um, you know, often fighting to you know get certain things. Paid so um, it's not lost on me how good the facilities are here and as you say the hotel was if you've got a few quid one night then <laughs> it's a it's a, it's a fantastic place and you get a pitch view as well and um, just another way that the, the club's developing off the field. He's also brought his long-term trusted assistant with him, Ken McKenna, who, who he described as being part of my development as a manager. And Dickie, Jim Bentley, and Ken McKenna are somebody you know really well, aren't they? Yeah, they've both got very uh, uh, big associations with with my club, Telford. Uh, Jim came to Telford. Oh gosh, can't think how long ago it was now. Um, Were you in short trousers, Dicky? <laughs> I wasn't quite in short trousers. I'm a bit older than you think, maybe. Uh, but no, uh, Jim's dad, Jack, is a, a Telford and, and prior to that, a Wellington Town legend. He's got a terrace named after him at the ground. Um, sadly, passed away a couple of years ago, but he's, he's still revered in these parts. And then Jim came to Telford and, and has uh, made himself almost as legendary in the eyes of sort of like the newer generations. A um, lot of respect, a lot of um, uh, love for him on on. Twitter, etc. On Monday, when he took the job from Telford fans, who all still enjoyed his time here, and Ken McKenna similarly um, came to Telford. I think about 1984, 1985. I think he had a couple of spells with us. A uh, very popular character, very sort of like combative um, centre forward. And yeah, they're, they're both thought of very highly down here. It's it's a case of he's got a, he's got a big job on his hands, hasn't he? He started off with a one-one draw at Maidenhead on Tuesday night, and then it, it was a nil-nil draw against Dover on Saturday. It wasn't quite the dream start that Jim Bendy would have liked at home. Um, obviously, took the positives from it. Uh, we kept a clean sheet, which is pleasing. Uh, on another day, we would have won it with, as we've created the better chances. Ultimately, though, we lacked that better quality in the final third. They troubled us defensively as a big, strong physical side, but another clean sheet is an improvement with our defensive record. And I suppose like all managers, really, he's got to build it from the back, but let's 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 be blatantly honest here this isn't a massive rebuilding job that needs doing it file it's getting more out of the players they've got they've got a fantastic squad that's the envy of the majority of the sides in the national league and they've been massively underachieving yeah and and the flip side dover speaking to a couple of their fans they were they were frustrated they felt that they settled quite negatively they they're above file they felt they could have gone up there and and got something and they just kind of let file dictate the game so it was an interesting point of view for that because if I was Andy Hessenthal and Dover, I'd be quite pleased with a point, I think, up there. He was. Here's his quote. That's a great point for us in what could be a tricky game. My only criticism of the team is that we gave it away too cheaply at times. I think by the sounds of it, Dover were probably lucky they didn't get punished for one or two of those mistakes. But I think any team going up to uh, five this season, despite their poor start to the season, will be pretty pleased coming away uh, with a clean sheet and a point. Yeah, at the top of the table, Bromley, they only drew, they're stuttering a little bit now. They only drew 2 2 with Stockport County in midweek and an entertaining first half. All those four goals came in the first half. And then they lost to Wrexham on Saturday. Luke Young uh, scoring, which gave Dean Keats his first league win since his return to the club. But for Bromley, a bit of a stutter, isn't it, Rob? It is. Obviously, they're still going well in, uh, in the FA Cup. And, uh, you know, I think Neil Smith's been honest enough to say that um, he, he can't expect things to go their way 
every week. Um, they do remain top of the table, but things have tightened up a little bit there, and we're getting that sort of evening up factor going on in this league. Not all the big clubs down the bottom have pulled themselves out of trouble yet. Wrexham got that first win, but they're still in the bottom four. Um, as for Bromley, well, they hold on just of the lead in the National League this season. But I tell you what, I think it's going to keep changing hands, if I'm really, really honest. Um, and there's a couple of teams closing in on the top who will come to you shortly. You might hit the top for the first time very, very soon in the next couple of weeks. Just two points between the top five now. Yolva are a point behind and a game in hand. They took on Boring Wood on Saturday. And Rob, you previewed that game with Luke Garrard on Tuesday because you saw a, a rather unentertaining nil-nil between Boring Wood and Aldershot on Tuesday. And, well, take us through that first of all and then your little chat with Luke Garrard. Yeah, well, it won't take long, Luke, that's for sure. It was a game interesting, if only for a couple of key moments at either end of the whole 90. Uh, if they could have crammed it all into the first quarter now for us we all could have gone home and had an early night but uh, a point apiece probably a better point for all the shot uh, on the road not much to write home about in that particular game but Luke Garrard after the game always good value for a chat with the NL full time podcast I'm joined here at uh, Meadow Park by Borenwood manager Luke Garrard I think it's the third or the fourth season we've spoken to you now Luke you were very animated on the touchline tonight. You're a passionate guy. You desperately, desperately wanted that moment that would have brought you all three points, but it wasn't to be. What's uh, your feelings on tonight's uh, game? I think it was very much a non-event. I have to say there weren't much offered up from both sides. I felt Tyro Marsh has probably got a score with the header. Um, we had a little bit of a ricochet moment in the box late on, but I don't think we worked Mitch Walker as they didn't work Nathan Ashmore. So on reflection, I say it's a fair point for both sides. I think it really was the whole night, the whole 93, four minutes was, you could condense it down to a couple of key moments at either end, couldn't you? At the other end, um, Ashmore did make a good save from Mark Barkley, had down low to his right and obviously Powell lobbed against the bar, but moments like that were few and far between. Both sides so determined not to lose, but just couldn't find a quality in attack, could they? No, I think, think you're spot on. I've got to be honest. I have to say that, um, yeah, Pally's little dink was unbelievable. Mm. Uh, if it drops two, three yards short of the bar, it's an unbelievable finish. I think Champ's header off the crossbar. It's a great bit of skill. I think Saw was put in two or three bits of quality where we haven't really exploited. But, yeah, listen, we've got a clean sheet. We've conceded five in the last two prior to tonight. So to have a clean sheet, I'd say there's a positive. And we've gone up the place. How funny is that? It's amazing, isn't it? You just never know where the points are going to come in this game. You could sit down and plot, oh, I think we might, you know, get some wins there. Or we, that might be a difficult run. But you just don't know with this league. It's crazy, isn't it? You look at the league. Stockport have gone to Bromley this evening and gone drawn yeah. two all. Every three are done, surely 4 nil. If you're a betting man, I don't think you'd bet in the National League, no. I've got to be honest, because the amount of results that just get spun out and churned out and you think, really? But look, at what makes it so competitive, that's what makes it such a great league, in, in my opinion. And for me, we dust ourselves off and I've got a luxury of going to Yeovil on Saturday and facing them for the first time in my tenure. One thing I wanted to ask you about, and I hope you don't mind, you, you always give a good interview. And I think whereas some managers and players' answers are sort of safe media answers, one of the things I've noticed about you, Luke, in your chats with me and other chats that I've watched, you do call it as it is. And uh, your players as well, you're not frightened to call them out if they're not doing what they should do. And that's obviously your, your own style. A lot of managers won't do that, but you tell them how it is, don't you? Listen, tell them, tell the media. Mm. People watch the game, they have their own opinion. I'm... I'm of the opinion if I am honest I see it how I say how I see it and on Saturday I felt we carried five or six of them I said about them not working hard having grit and determination I went with the same team this evening for the reason of I'm respecting the fact that I believe there's more from the group go and show me I don't think they shirked the opportunity I don't think they pulled out challenges I thought they were good on seconds and they showed that they probably missed a little bit of quality in the final third to go and win a game of football but like you said, I'll say it how I see it. I'm, mm. I'm very much along those lines. I'm straight down the middle. There's no grey areas with me. I agree with you as well on that. And, and the fact that it was a non-event tonight. We'll keep it short and sweet. Thank you, Thank Luke. You we'll see you much. at the EBB later in the season. And that was Luke Garrard. And 
It does annoy me when you interview managers and you think, what have you just watched? But I do like how he doesn't just flower it up in a way. As a fan, uh, I do like it to him come out and be honest. And players, well, yeah, they might not like it, they might get upset, but hey, they're paid to do a job. And if they fall below the standard, then they should be told, I suppose. Um, you know, Rob, you did say that you're over the best side you've seen, and you did kind of warn Luke Garrard in that interview. But they had a really good 1 1 draw at Yeovil and they left it late, but that man, Cabango Shimanga, scored again yeah his 10th goal of the season uh, I must admit he didn't look like scoring at all on Tuesday night um, uh, neither did uh, Tyrone Miles but brilliant I mean for them yesterday having gone behind after 7 minutes to Jimmy Smith uh, on loan from Crawley I, I think that the, the signs were ominous for Borenwood uh, against a side in such good form as the Oval but uh, they stayed in the game which is one of the uh, National League bingo Yeah, not many teams have gone to Yeovil this season and, and got anything there. So, yeah, fantastic point for them. Uh, Halifax, they've slipped now down to third position. They lost 4-2 at home to Torquay. A bit of a, a strange one for Halifax. A bit up and down at the minute. They found themselves 3-0 down after 64 minutes and then 4-1 down before Michael Duckworth got a goal back late on. And... <laughs> Halifax, Chris, have hit a bit of a rut, but Torquay are really good away from home, as we know. Yeah, well, Torquay were fantastic when I saw them at Edgeley Park. They scored four that day, and they scored four um, back up north um, at Halifax as well. And uh, by all accounts, they, they eased to the win. Um, and uh, if you can have two consolation goals in a game, I think Halifax got that yesterday. Um, yeah, Halifax stuttering at the moment. Um, if you take out uh, the, the win um, last time out at Sutton in, in midweek, they're, they're struggling a little bit. They've just brought a bit of firepower in. Jack Redshaw, who came off the bench yesterday, I think he came on after about 70 minutes yesterday. He's, uh, he's a player that has got a great history of scoring goals. He's got real good firepower, he's nippy, he's small, he's, he's, he's tricky, but he hasn't played very much, so a little bit of a possibly a bit of a gamble there for Pete Wilde but uh, I can see why he wants to do something to they're in third they're in a good position but they're just slipping off a little bit and he just wants to sort of steady the ship I think yeah and it's in a week when they've called out for extra investment they are in third and he said look we're, we're kind of surprised where we are but we're doing a push on and getting to the football league so they kind of called out and said if anyone wants to come in and, and uh, help out in that way to give them a bit more investment to fire them into the football league then uh, so be it and Redshaw's a really good signing isn't he Chris he's had a tough time at Salford with injury and whatnot. but at this level he's, he's proven isn't he oh he is definitely he's got uh, oodles of, of quality as well and he just wants to play football now doesn't he at this uh, this uh, stage in his career and I think it's a great place to go to uh, at Halifax look let's not take anything away from Torquay you mentioned it I realised I spoke mostly about Halifax but what a fantastic away win and how well have they adapted to being back in the National League and uh, Jamie Reid well he, he's a man on fire isn't he oh absolutely yeah he's a <clears throat> Rob will tell us more, he's a stats man, but he's he's, um, he's around the top of the goal-scoring charts, isn't he, Jamie Reid? He is bang top, he's too clear. 14 goals for Torquay this season, and uh, Torquay, uh, I need to confirm it, but I think they might be the league's top scorers. Uh, they uh, they really do. They're one of two teams, Luke, that I think are creeping towards the top in great form and might just hit the summit in, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, the other one is Barrow. The pair of them are top of the form guys. Five wins out of six for them both. The goals are flying in a plenty. And uh, for Barrow, well, uh, after they failed to sort of equal that club record uh, last week where it all went horribly wrong on the road, they got back to business yesterday with a 1-0 win at uh, home to Sutton United, who are bottom of the form table. Five defeats and one draw. The crucial goal coming in the 51st minute from Josh Kay. Uh, and for Barrow, um, that's a, a fantastic win now. I think it's nine wins in ten. Uh, congratulations to them. They're uh, sitting just two points off the top of the league. Yeah, and they followed. They, they followed. Um, yes, obviously on on Saturday they'd won that after winning at Dagenham and Redbridge on Tuesday night as well, and keeping a clean sheet there. So they're getting back to how they were a couple of weeks ago. In terms of Torquay, Rob, yeah, you, uh, you are correct. They are the league's top scorers. They've scored thirty eight goals, which is four more than anyone else at the minute. And 
they're certainly good uh, going forward at the back they are quite leaky if they can just tighten that up a little bit then certainly they will be a, a contender up at the top of the table yeah I think so and if you look purely out the table and don't look at you know take into account why she has within the game it's Barrow who have the uh, the better defence isn't it and uh, you know they they probably would score almost as many goals 21 on the road for them to talk is 20 you do feel that they've kind of got the right way of playing I think those two sides do play quite similarly as well they've always got goals in them uh, and they've always got a chance of picking up the three points whether they're home or away uh, and that's a great habit in the National League in sixth, place, in sixth place to Harrogate, they stay there despite falling to a 4-2 defeat at Eastleigh. And uh, it's a man you know well, Robbie, who got the hat-trick yesterday, Scott Randell. Yeah, I must admit, I uh, did a double take when I looked at that one. A, for the scoreline, and B, obviously for Scott's hat-trick. And as you'll hear in this next conversation, it's been a while since Scott Randell got his last hat-trick. Right, we've got a bit of an NL full-time exclusive here. It happens to have a few contacts in the game, especially when they used to play for your club. But uh, somebody scored a hat-trick in the National League on Saturday and he joins me on the phone now. And I'm going to ask him, uh, when did you last get a hat-trick, mate? Um, I think it was probably about 18 months ago. I think it must have been woken at home. On um, Boxing Day. On, on Boxing Day for shot, yeah. So maybe yeah, a year and a half ago. Wow, must be a, gra- a feeling that you you're never going to stop enjoying. Was it a feeling that you didn't know if you'd have again? They, yeah, they never are. As, as much belief as you have, they don't come around too often. Um, and you, like you say, you never know if, that, if you've had your last one. But yes, thankfully yesterday I managed to not chop another one, and, and obviously it was a very important win for us. As any, as any striker does, you've got to be thankful for the players around you and the opportunities you get. But it's all about the service when you, you, you play your role. And uh, I, I can tell you, having having left Aldershot um, at the end of last season, you're legend now. There, Everyone keeps saying with all the chances we're creating, Rens would have been on fire this season. Uh, it's a funny old game, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it is. That's, that's football for you. It, it kind of comes around very, very quickly. And like you say, it's, I was disappointed to leave in the summer, but football moves on and, and they've moved on I've moved on and, and I'm very happy where I am and like I say I'd like to see them do well but it's, 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 it is what it is like you say the chances come we didn't create too much last year and it's just like that's football for you it's the way it is Yeah and it's a, a relatively local move for you to Eastleigh I remember you played very very well against Eastleigh last year certainly scored in one of those matches you had a slow start though this year didn't you and uh, the goals didn't come early on, and then I saw the signing of Tyrone Barnett, and I thought, "Oh, hang on a minute, big, you know, uh, you know, um, big uh, strapping centre forward. It could could this be uh, a concern? Your gaffer's found a way to put you both in the side just recently to good effect. Yeah, you so said we got three, three slash four, well, four now because we signed uh, Marcus Barnes from Southampton. So we've got four very good strikers, um, and I started a few games at the start of the year, and and from Southampton team. After that, because Ty, Ty did come in, done well, scored some goals, um, and so did Ben Williamson. Um, and then also uh, Barnsley come in as well. Um, he's, he's ended up scoring a couple, so it's just about about being patient. I kind of knew my time would come eventually. I just had to stay stay patient, do the right things, and when I got my chance, take it. And that's what I'm doing at the minute. I think it's six and five now, which is a great return for me, especially being out of the team for so long. So, yeah, I'm, de- I'm delighted, and hopefully I can perform to a high level to keep myself in the team now. Yeah. It's a and very good competition to get back in the team. Defensively, um, you've got a lot of injuries at the minute. I bet you've half been looking over your shoulder and wondering if you get the, get requested to play at the back. Has that happened over the years? I think it has, hasn't it? Yeah, I played I played uh, centre-half for We played Sutton away. Mm. And I think Jack Savile went down injured and Gary just looked at me and just gave me the eyes and I was just like, oh God, here we go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I enjoyed it and yeah, it, it almost actually, funny enough, it almost come, almost got the same kind of look Tuesday night when we played Dover because uh, we had so many injuries and, and things weren't going right. It was it was quite high on the list of possibilities going to happen but uh, it, it never actually materialised and uh, and that. But yeah, we are, like I say, we are very, very short on numbers at the back, patched up. But hopefully, fingers crossed, by next weekend we should have a couple back now. Uh, and the injury situation should start looking a little bit brighter for us because, yeah, we've we've been very, very short, like I say, on numbers. And, and the boys have done fantastically back there to uh, to play as well as they have. 
Well, the best way to avoid getting a call in the defence is surely to score a hat-trick. So congratulations on that uh, on, on, on Saturday. I've had a quick look at the table, Scott. You're three points off the playoffs and just eight points off the top of this crazy, crazy league. It, it just continues to uh, shock and confound every season, doesn't it? Yeah, it kind of... I, it, it is amazing. Like I say, we, we've, got, we've had a run of, I think it's one defeat in ten or something. And... We, I know we've, we've probably drawn too many games in that, but we're, we're still mid-table. Like I say, we're only three points off the playoffs, but it seems like we've only been three points off the playoffs the past four weeks. Um, and I think, obviously, what I think Woking were early pace setters and they started very, very well. Um, obviously, had a little dip and they're still in and around it. I don't think they've won for like 12 or 13 games before yesterday. Um, and they, and they, I think they were still eight for before the game. So, mm. that goes to show how tight this league is because... If you put a good run together, you could maybe create a little bit of distance because it is so tight. There is every team's beating everyone, even more so this year than any other previous year. Um, there's no probably standout team as it stands at the minute, um, and, it, and everything's up for grabs. Listen, I hope that your good form continues at least for a month or two, uh, and then uh, if you could dry up around uh, Christmas, New Year, Scott, that'd be fine. <laughs> I see what I can do for you, mate. I see what I can do. Brilliant. Thanks ever so much for joining us, Scott. Really, really pleased for you. I think if I don't have the stats in front of me, but there can't be too many players that have played more games at National League or conference level. And I'm pretty sure you must hold the record for scoring goals against your old clubs. So, uh, so, so don't be adding to that in the new year. Well done on that achievement. Good luck and speak soon. That was Scott Rendell and a really good win for Eastley. We'll get on to Harrogate in a minute, Rob. But Eastley, they're in 11th and they're just kind of, as Chris likes to say, they're just in the peloton, just outside that uh, that leading pack, aren't they? And can they go on a little run now and get into that playoff position? I don't see any reason why not. Um, they have got injury concerns, as Scott alluded to, particularly at the back. But uh, in this league, um, if you're in the peloton, uh, we're nearly at halfway stage here. So, uh, you know, there are many, many supporters, players, managers of many, many clubs and chairmen as well that would love to be in the peloton right now. Um, so, yeah, they're handily placed easily. And uh, the, the real testimony to Ben Strevens and the job he's doing there is that Eastley kind of sat around these positions, didn't they, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, an awful lot when they had much stronger financial backing than they have now. So credit to Ben Strevens. Well, we're going to be a difficult season following up the playoffs last season and losing those players. So, yeah, well done, Ben Strevens, and uh, particularly well done to, to Scotty Rendell. And not least of all, uh, Luke, because the team they beat yesterday, Harrogate Town, a tremendous uh, run from them has come to an end. They were unbeaten in 10 matches, including the FA Cup, and uh, finally came unstuck. And uh, a bit like Barrow the week before, it's funny, isn't it? He's got these long unbeaten runs, and when they when they go, the wheels tend to really come off, don't they? Because Barrow conceded four last week, and Harrogate at the end of their run conceded four themselves. Oh, it's just, do you think it's just a bump in the road for Harrogate, that result, then? 100%. I mean, it's so, so difficult. We talked to Simon, we were just a couple of weeks ago, about how difficult it is to, to string a run of wins or unbeaten games together. And, uh, you know, there's some very, very good sides. And, uh, you know, when any side in the division, even, you know, looking at those like Sutton, Jolly and Ebsfleet towards the bottom end of the league, once they get a bit of momentum, once they get into the right gear, once things go their way, um, anybody can uh, beat anybody in this division. Yeah, moving on now to uh, just outside the playoffs. So, Woking have dropped out the playoffs over the past couple of weeks, but uh, they bounced back on Saturday, didn't they, Chris? A three-one win at Stockport County. Yeah, absolutely, and they were they were really good value for it. In fairness, um, County had a couple of early chances that they didn't put away, and then Woking took over. Really, it wasn't a great game, but Woking did exactly what they needed to. And I've, I've got to be honest, three-one probably does flatter County, uh, if anything. Um, Jake Hyde's claiming a hat-trick in that game and, and as the official non-league reporter on the day he only got two in my books <laughs> but he's claiming one that looked like it was a Dave Tarpey uh, crunch shot if you like but if he, did get a, if he did get a touch on that one he would have been offside so he can't have his hat-trick <laughs> but, um, no, they were, they, they were brilliant and um, 
I gave Dave Tarpey man of the match yesterday. It was great to see a guy who was in so much form and he's had injury problems over the over the seasons, but he was an absolute live wire yesterday. Playing just a little bit behind, I think, um, Jake Hyde, but he was he was sharp and he looked back to his best. They, they are out of the playoffs, so as I say, on goal difference, because at Notts County, they moved into those playoff places despite a 2-2 draw with Hartlepool. Big game there between two X. Football league size, but Notts County, the team we were saying about goals conceded, they're the ones who conceded the least in the division, along with Solihull Moors, have only conceded 20 goals so far this season. And I don't have the stats in front of me for this, but I think Notts County have probably got the most points from losing positions this season. They found themselves 2 0 down at home to Hartlepool yesterday with goals from Hollihan and uh, Luke James. But uh, Wes Thomas uh, finally uh, started to weigh in with a brace and uh, they got themselves back into it on the hour mark they were level not county but they couldn't find a winner um, and, and that's one of those kind of mixed results really I think they had a fancy winning that game yesterday but uh, from 2-0 down you take a 2 all any any day of the week and uh, yeah, I mean, each time I kind kind of look at them ominously climbing the table in Notts County, they do tend to stutter a little bit. They are still finding their feet at this uh, level. But seventh place, 31 points from 20 games. I think they've got to be pretty pleased with that, especially given how long the ownership issues took uh, to resolve themselves at the start of the season. Yeah, Wrexham, as we mentioned earlier, they got a good win over Bromley there. Still in fourth bottom and filed with that point, remain two points above the relegation zone. In 22nd place, Ebbsfleet, really good month for them. They drew 2-2 with Chesterfield on Saturday, but that result meant that Kev- Kevin Watson got the job permanently. Now, we spoke to Ian Herring last week because Kevin Watson was assistant at Hungerford at the start of the season. Uh, he moved on to Ebbsfleet to work with Gary Hill. When Gary Hill left, he, he took on the caretaker position and, and Ian Herring said, look, Ebbsfleet needs to give him the job and they certainly listened to him and he has got the job and we're hoping to get him on, but I think... Uh, he's still celebrating somewhere, <laughs> by all accounts. But a uh, really good job done by Kevin Watson. And, and all of a sudden, it's given him uh, a bit of a chance of staying up. You're going to need to build on the results they've picked up under Watson in the last few weeks. Uh, they were heading at one point yesterday for a third win on the bounce, including the FA Cup. But uh, they had to be content with a point in the end against a much-improved Chesterfield side. Scott Bowden on target again. Uh, for the visitors, Hayden Hollis ultimately getting the uh, equaliser. But a couple of goals from Gozi Ogwu, one of them from the penalty spot for Ebbsfleet. And uh, yeah, potentially better times ahead for them. And the key thing really for any of those sides in the bottom four in the National League is they're not really too cut adrift. Uh, The only side that is looking a tad adrift now, eight points from safety, uh, is Chorley. I don't know if you want to come on to that one, Luke, but Chorley took the lead uh, through Marcus Carver uh, in the first half yesterday at Barnet at the Hive. But Barnet kept steady, kept control, uh, came back into it. Goals from a penalty from Jack Taylor and uh, a late winner from Mauro Filete. Yeah, Marcus Carver, who celebrated becoming a father this week, he opened the scoring, but as I said, ultimately, it just proved to be uh, not enough as Barnett, who've been inconsistent in recent weeks, got a win and move up to 10th position. Uh, now, Rob, we, we can't hold it any longer. Five points clear of the relegation zone are all the shot town, and now I believe you're injured. Is that through you doing cartwheels, Rob? <laughs> No, believe it or not, it was just walking straight jogging to get to the train. That's all it was. <laughs> my equipment as well. But, uh, yeah, uh, uh, an ageing fat bloke trying to rush for the train, basically. That's what it was. Uh, but, uh, no, uh, a great day yesterday for Shot Town. A much, much needed day. Uh, it probably caught Maidenhead United at the right sort of time. Um, a few injuries and not in the best of form themselves, Maidenhead. All it's got, I've found home wins hard to come by. Um, I think it's only the third one uh, since, you know, uh, sorry, I think it was only the third one since November the 3rd last year. So uh, they've been few and far between, but they were really good value yesterday and they kind of found a, a way to, to win ugly. Um, I, I, I contemplated speaking to somebody from Maidenhead afterwards, but keeping in mind your thoughts and words from a couple of weeks ago, Luke, I thought maybe it was. It was time we let uh, the old shop town manager Danny Searle have a say on the podcast. We featured so many of the other managers and uh, after the game uh, I caught up with Danny Searle 
in the uh, bar at Aldershot Town. Now I'm joined for the NL full-time podcast by Aldershot Town manager Danny Sell. Danny, I've spoke to almost every other manager Aldershot have come up against this uh, season, but today I thought it was time to talk to you. It's been a good day at the office for, for Aldershot in a mixed season. Uh, three points at home to Maidenhead. But if you can, if it's possible so soon after a game to take stock, you're uh, sort of three, four months into the job now. How have you found it? I mean, as a club, I've loved it. Uh, the welcome, the, the they've got some unbelievable staff here. And the, the, the amount of work they put in. Just last night, we was at the supporters, um, the sportsman's dinner. And it's like, it's like a Premier League event. It's, it's fantastic. And so all of the kind of the, the off-field stuff it's been it's been amazing and on the field's been tough you know we, we we didn't know what league we were going to be in I inherited one player we had to build a squad we've got to work hard with them to bond we we, we had some targets that we couldn't get and obviously there's financial restrictions which, which I'm sure a lot of managers have to have so it's difficult but it's something that gives you a drive and I know this group of players and with the, with the support that we get here we, we can do some good things this season and it's not always going to be nice and it's not always going to be pretty and it's not always going to be easy but we, we, we're working hard and no, I've loved it I absolutely loved it We talk. Uh, you talk a lot about not getting too high after the wins not too low after defeats and as all the shot town managers you have to do that don't you because you've not been one of those sides that's gone 8, 10, 12 unbeaten you're no. also not one of those sides that's gone more, more than two or three games without get, chalking a win up No, no and I think that's it's a credit to the boys because we we generally try and get a reaction when we've we, when we've not won a game and we, we most times we do get it and but just just the caveat today is obviously he's putting that little run together where we we like you said we even if it's two wins three draws whatever it is just putting a little unbeaten run together but I kind of expected it with the AD inexperience of some of the players but B obviously they don't know each other and ironically the ones that do know each other from last season most of them have been out injured so yeah. it has been a completely new group of players but we're getting there they, they, they're a very very hard working group of players and they they care and they're in my office and we're going through clips and they're trying to get better and, and, I, and I'm confident as the season goes on the fans will reap the rewards of that when I went for the job interview part of my, my presentation was I want to be a part of something that's long term I don't, I don't, I don't want immediate success, and then someone comes and takes me, or someone comes and takes the players. And I, what I want is to be something, something to build. And I, and I speak to the chairman and, and the board, and I look at what we're potentially going to present on the 28th of November at the fans forum. And I, I look at it's exciting times. I, I, look, is it perfect on the pitch? No. Are we where we want to be in the in the table? No. Is it is it pro- progressing? I believe so. And and I think off the field, there's a lot of progression happening in the world as well. And it's, it's, it's a great place to be and these I, I think it's, 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 this is going to sound a bit harsh I think there's two types of the people that come to your club you've mm. got the supporters like yourself who mm. no matter what happens they're here mm. and then you have fans yeah. and fans kind of just generally pick and choose when they want to be there yeah. um, but the, the, the core support of this club is unbelievable and I, I said to someone today I want to I want to fill that East Bank but not because we're mm. expected to win mm. not because we've been on a long unbeaten run I want to fill it because I want them to recognise that let's build the support so that no matter what happens this club is is, is strong because financially and, and I hate to talk about money but financially it makes a difference to me yeah. the more people are here the, the better the players we can afford the more players we can bring in and that's that's the situation the clubs are at we haven't got a major benefactor mm. who just opens his checkbook and says what do you want we have to earn the right and I think sometimes fans get frustrated and stay away, thinking they're doing the thing because we're staying away because they're losing. Mm. Well, that actually hurts us even more than anything mm. because when I, when I go yeah. cap in hand to the chairman, which I haven't had to do yet, but when I do, he's going to be like, we can't afford it because mm. We, mm. the gates are down and it's tough. And, 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 I, and I am a fan. I, 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 I'm a football fan and I know how frustrating it is, but I support my club. Mm. And when, I, when they go through bad times, I'm still there. Well, thanks for joining us a few months into the role. We'll catch up with you later in the season. Thanks, Danny Searle. That was Danny Searle and um, fantastic stuff for Aldershot and um, a really good, young, hungry manager, Rob, and he, he looks as though he really wants to succeed in the game. Yeah, I think when Danny Searle walked through his door with Anne Wilding and uh, Dave Blackmore, I think uh, he brought an absolute breath of fresh air to Aldershot Town Football Club and that was exactly what was needed after a difficult 18 months, um, you know, before it. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm chuffed always as a fan when all the shots pick up points 
Sorry, Hog, they got back to winning ways after a sticky patch. They beat Dagenham Redbridge side, who were out of form again. They start the season slowly, had a good run, and doing a bad run of form again. Uh, a player you know well, Chris Jimmy Barley, got the opening goal there for Solihull Moors, and then Paul McCallum, McCallum bagged the winner either side of a, of a Reese Grant goal for Dagenham and Redbridge. Um, Solihull in ninth position at the minute. Dagenham have slipped down to 14th. So... We're going to look now at the National League North. Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. And in the National League North, it was York City who drew 1-1 with Kidderminster. A disappointing performance according to assistant manager Mickey Cummins, but grateful for a point. But they have given themselves that cushion, haven't they, at the top of the league, guys, because Chester drew as well, so they've still got that, that cushion at the top. Yeah, they have. Uh, York take their unbeaten league run to 16 matches, so they've managed to keep that going. Um, a goal from Cali Griffiths in the first half puts them ahead. They they were disappointed to, to be pegged back. Uh, goal from Ashley Hemmings quite late on for Harriers, getting them a point. And Kidderminster, I think they were similarly pleased with their performance. Russ Penn said we made the top of the table team look ordinary. Uh, and said that they were disappointed that they hadn't taken the chances they got as well. So um, yeah, honours even there at Booth and Crescent. Mm. Guys, cer- certainly in the uh, in the national leagues, but I don't know whether across all English leagues. But are York City the only team who haven't lost in the league yet this season? They are. Yeah, I've seen a you know you see a few things fly around on social media with these sort of claims. If you throw the FA Cup um, sequence into that as well, I think it's nineteen competitive matches without defeat so far this season for York yeah it looks like it and they've only conceded nine goals as well we were saying about how defensively they need teams need to tighten up in the National League if they want to challenge at the top of the table or get into the playoffs York have only conceded nine goals all season so they're not even in double figures yet after 16 games so yeah they're on a fantastic run uh, for Chester as I say they'll be they'll be disappointed that they didn't win but then that point was at Brackley so when you look at it an inform going to an inform Brackley and getting a point isn't a bad result in the end is it? I think that's how Chester looked at it in the end obviously you know they, they lost their big home game against York last weekend so they were looking for a response from that and Brackley's not the easiest of places to go when you're looking to bounce back uh, Brad Jackson put Chester ahead after 9 minutes Thierry Ordell levelled after 20 minutes and then it stayed that way through to the final whistle Bernard Morley after the game said yeah we're not celebrating a draw but acknowledged that a point at Brackley was always a good result. I think I read somewhere earlier in the week that Brackley, apart from their playoff semi-final loss, which was on penalties, I don't think they've lost at home for something like 11 months now. So, yeah, you've got to take that into account as well. They play Spennymore at home on Tuesday, which will be an interesting fixture because Spennymore are on a good run as well. They won 2-0 at Alfreton in a game that Tommy Miller said they absolutely dominated the assistant manager there of Spennymore. But they acknowledge it'll be a long trip down there and it will be, won't it, on a Tuesday night? Yeah, it's probably one of the longest trips in the National League and they're having to do it on a Tuesday night I think that's probably the consequence of both teams having made progress in the FA Cup yes they more on a tremendous run at the moment say 2-0 yesterday Rob Ramshaw getting both goals they swap places in the table without putting they beat. They're both now on 22. It was Spennymore's fourth win in a row, only one defeat in their last 10. Uh, and, and just on the reverse side of that, Alfredton, their fourth defeat in six. So they're, they're dropping out of the playoff places at the moment. Yeah, they've been leapfrogged by Southport, who move up into third, Chris. And a David Morgan hat-trick he led by example yesterday in a 4-1 win over Leamington. Yeah, they're going great guns, aren't they? We spoke to Liam Watson last, last week. They're on a... Fantastic run of form, you know they've got a great setup there. I think that's four wins in a row if I'm if I'm not wrong, and they're up yeah, there level true. on points. Yeah, they're up there level on points with Chester now, and uh, you wouldn't have thought that a few weeks ago when Chester were uh, were going fantastically well. But what Southport have got, they've got power, haven't they? They've got they've got strength. The uh, they're not averse to chucking a long throw into the penalty area, so you long you, you throw wins near the uh, corner flag are as good as corners. And it causes a bit of chaos and they pick up the scraps from there as well. But they can play some 
decent football as well. They've got aces in the pack that they can bring off the bench. Um, and uh, yeah, David Morgan hat trick. They've also got uh, Jack Sampson as well, who's an absolute handful there at Southport. So I'd say things are looking pretty rosy uh, for them at the moment. Yeah, in fourth place at Kings Lynn, who have uh, got two games in hand on Southport. They look like they were heading for another victory. Two goals from Adam Marriott, but then a late James Jones equaliser in the fifth minute of stoppage time pegged Kings Lynn back. Yeah, manager, Kings Lynn manager Ian Culverhouse, disappointed obviously to concede that late on, said thought they were really good in the first half, but then it became a bit of a battle. A uh, bit of a basketball game, game going to and fro, and, and admitted at the end, he said, I think we look a bit short at the moment, but was ultimately pleased with the point. Um, I think that Kingsland have now five matches without a win. There are four draws in there, but they're just, uh, you know, having started the season so terrifically well, and yeah, you know, that only one defeat in their last five is is still good, but they're just not picking up those extra points at the moment. Just going to throw something in there about Kingsland at, at the moment. I'm, from someone who used to live in Kingsland, I know what a pain in the backside it is to get to Kingsland, especially. Uh, if you're travelling down there for uh, a Tuesday night game as well and this winter period a lot of the teams in this division are not full-time teams um, so they may be going to have players unavailable I think those home games over the, the winter period could be uh, could be really good for Kingsland where, especially the midweek games where they, they can pick up a bit of points a few points and, and really start to challenge Yeah, conversely they've, they've got one they've got to make in reverse on Tuesday night when they're away uh, Kidderminster Harriers so you know so they're not always going to have it their own way with having those games at home but it'd be interesting to see how they go there Result of the day for me guys Bly 2 Farsley nil. Bly they're on a, a cracking on a farm and, and to beat Farsley we're going really well is, is a fantastic result for Lee Clark's side Oh absolutely uh, a third win in their last four games for Blythe and the, the one they didn't win there was a two-all draw with Chester which was another fine result so um, you know they, they uh, early in the season you, you kind of looked at what was going on at Croft Park and, and it, it, the signs were not good at all. But they're making their own ground a more difficult place to go again. It, it always has been. Um, as I always say, the hospitality of Blythe extends up until kick-off at three o'clock and then it becomes a, a, you know, a real non-league cauldron, especially you know, if there's a little bit of you know, snap, a little bit of bite to the game as well. The crowd really enjoy that one. And it makes it a difficult place to go. Uh, that man, Callum Roberts, uh, at Central, two things for Blythe again yesterday, set up Robbie Dale for the opening goal. That's Dale's 207th goal in his 660th Blythe appearance. Um, ben Roberts himself got the second from the penalty spot. And yeah, you're right about uh, Farsley as well. They, I think they won four in a row. Adam Lakeland won manager of the month, and since doing that, they've lost two on the bounce. Curse in the manager of the month, Curve. Uh, taking place there at Farsley. Uh, another shout for result of the day. I know they're obviously both up there, but Geisley going up to Gateshead and winning by three goals to two. They were 3 0 up at one stage, Geisley. That man, Aaron Martin, amongst the goals once again before a late Gateshead fight back. But not many teams go to Gateshead and, and have won this season. No, there's not many teams that have come into Gateshead and actually scored this season. They've kept five clean sheets in a row at the International Stadium before yesterday. But um, yeah, there weren't many hurdles put in the way of Geisley yesterday. Um, they took the lead through Aaron Martin he was back from a three game suspension gave them the lead before half time Hamza Ben Sharif put the 2-0 up Kane Felix got another goal four minutes later 71 minutes the game looks done and dusted Gates had responded two goals later on Marcus Bignett said a fantastic win for us and also noted as well he said we'll learn a lot from that last 20 minutes I think an acknowledgement in there that he, he's got a young team um, and, and the, the, you know there's something in their learning process having been 3-0 up that having to learn how to hang on to that advantage having got it when they were put under some late pressure will perhaps pay dividends for his team in the future um, Ian Watson assistant at Gates said, said yeah they did fancy them to get an equaliser would we have deserved it possibly not but sometimes you have to take points in this league when you don't play well we, I know we started doing, we did a poll this week didn't we Paul Cox he's the new manager at Kettering Town and we put a poll out there saying will Kettering win against Bradford Park having in a majority just over 50% said that they would and uh, well they did convincingly as well by four goals to nil and four different scorers yes I know you like your, your four different scorers or you know every goal coming from a different player in a game Luke oh it's a um, team yeah, effort probably the date <laughs> 
It is, yeah, and probably the day's most notable result, if we're being honest, even though it's at the bottom of the table. Um, you know, it, it is a time of year for poppies. Um, yeah. The poppies, you know, a, a terrific result yesterday. Not only that, the, the win took them out of the two relegation places and dropped Avenue, who they beat, into 22nd. Paul Cox's first game and a player he knows really, really well, Lyndon Meikle. He scored on 14 minutes. And Paul Cox managed him at both Eastwood and at Mansfield in the past. Then they got two quick goals in the second half from Connor Kennedy and Ben Milnes. And to put the icing on the cake, Aaron O'Connor, a man who's been around, I think he won um, the actual National League title with Newport County as a player. 79th penalty, 79th minute penalty from him. Made it a day to remember for Paul Cox. And, and yeah, some of that... Um, I think having belief when you're down at the foot of the table is a really important thing, and that would that will inject some belief into Kettering. I would have thought the results to look at: Gloucester two, Curzon Ashton two. Does neither side any favours? And Darlington nil, Hereford nil. Less said about that, the better. And the only other result was AFC Telford one. Boston United 3 and uh, an interesting stat you came out with Dickie when we were chatting before we started the podcast Telford's fourth loss uh, by a margin of 3-1 at home this season uh, second time an opposing player scored a hat-trick against them as well a quasi Asante did it for Chester and it was Jordan Thewlis yesterday um, who, who gave the Pilgrims the points I would say Boston probably had the better of the first half certainly but after, after a bright start from Telford Adam Walker gave Telford the lead against the runner play, but then a hat-trick in 10 minutes from Thewlis, 52nd, 56th minute penalty, and then a goal on 62 minutes, just took it away from them. Um, Some controversy around the the, the penalty for the second goal. I know Telford manager Gavin Cowan wasn't happy with that decision at all, as he wasn't with quite a few of the decisions. I think there were eight bookings in the game in total, but it wasn't really a bad-tempered game. Um, But yeah, that takes Boston up to... 10th in the table um, and they've got an FA Cup tie to look forward to next weekend as well On the other side Craig Elliott said his team was superb and, and they really turned a screw second half and he funnily enough he had no complaints for the penalty so <laughs> there we go Isn't that funny? No, yeah. isn't that funny? No, unsurprisingly you know you, you, I think I think, the diff- I think the problem I think what Gavin Cowan wasn't happy with was that there were a couple of penalty claims in the second half for Telford which he felt were really no were uh, no different and actually possibly even more conclusive than the one that the referee gave for Boston early in the second half but you know it is what it is now both teams move on excellent that wraps up the north so we're going to move on to the National League South now Hi, I'm Harry Wheeler, and you're listening to the NL Full Time Podcast. In the National League South, Shock Horror Wheelstone didn't win. Did it go 2 0 up at Dorking through Dijon Noel Williams, the ex Oxford United striker who they signed in the summer? But then two goals, one from Jack Barham and one from James McShane, pegged Wheelstone back. They still lead the table, though, by seven points, and Dorking stay in the playoffs. But uh, yeah, strangers not talking about a Wheelstone win this week. Yeah, they can't do it every week, Luke, for sure. And uh, you know, another another bit of National League bingo here. If you can't win a match, make sure you don't lose it. And just behind them in second and third are Slough and Haven and Waterlooville. Slough, they won 2 1 against Chelmsford. Two goals there from Ben Harris. One was a penalty before Sam Higgins, uh, the former East Thurrock man, got a goal back there for Chelmsford. He's been in good form for Chelmsford recently, but slow. We're talking about the start of the season, Rob. They were down near the bottom and we were thinking, are they going to struggle this year? They've been on a fantastic run recently, haven't they? Yeah, they have. They, they have uh, gone up a gear or two now, and I'm pleased to see it because I predicted them to. To finish in the playoff play. Yeah, so good three points for them yesterday. But uh, um, looking around elsewhere in the uh, National League South, Luke, uh, there were one or two surprising results here. Well, I've got to say that I think uh, I think performance of the day there goes to uh, Concord Rangers, who put to an end a really bad run of. Uh, of losses with a win against um, Hemel Hempstead Town who were in the playoff spots yesterday and it was pretty convincing they were 2-0 up within 8 minutes there that set them on the way so uh, that'd be my vote I suppose I'd go for our friend of the show um Ian Herring and his uh, Hunkerford Town team winning 3-0 away at Braintree that's uh, an excellent result for them yeah I know Ian Herring said um, he said he was really pleased with the with the lads yesterday but he said the game as a whole was enjoyable both both sides trying to pass the ball about but he said I think it was just an aberration last week when they lost at home to Hampton and Richmond Borough he said because he said a few weeks ago that that result had been coming and uh, it They've, they've pulled themselves out of the relegation zone again, dropping into it were Tombridge, now we ran a poll on 
over the week as well, saying, who do you think will win out of Tombridge Angels and Oxford City? 53% said that Tombridge would win. Well, it was an entertaining game down in Kent, certainly game of the day. It was a, a four-all draw. Now, you don't see many of them, and a pretty, pretty mad game down there in Kent. Oxford City were 2-0 up at half-time through Zach McCrecker and, and Reese Fleet. And then, Rob, all hell broke, broke loose in the second half. Yeah, Derry and Theobald uh, pulling the Tunbridge back level and then uh, a double from Turner in the final five minutes. But uh, Oxford did the same thing with a double from Brown. So uh, just 473 fans there to witness an absolute thriller. Just to add my two pennies, I would have picked out Huntington 3-0 win at Braintree 2 as the result of the day, but there was one other uh, kind of eye-brow-ranging result as well, and that came from Hampton and Richmond, who uh, put Mason to the sword very, very late on, lose weight with the winning goal in the 89th minute, but uh, a very, very valuable three points for them at Hampton and Richmond. And uh, you know what? Looking at the bottom end of the National League table, you know, come the last day of the season, Yeah, the, the six points separating St Albans in 21st and Chippenham in 13th. Now, last year, I think it was, um, we looked at the top end and the top end and the player places were so tight you could throw a blanket over them. This year, it's the bottom end, isn't it? It's Any team from Chippenham at the minute are in trouble, aren't they? They are. And then, uh, you know, you've got clubs that you'd expect to do better and pull away. Particularly, I'm, I'm, I'm highlighting Dulwich Hamlet, who had a really good start to the season, but have uh, slipped now. They lost 3-1 at home to Bath yesterday, a game which I actually watched this time last year. Uh, Dulwich against Bath. And Dartford, obviously, uh, starting to uh, improve now under the management of Steve King. They got a 2-0 win away at Eastbourne. So I'd expect them to pull clear. They are just four points clear of the relegation zone at the minute. As are Oxford City, we don't know what's going to happen with them, which was Yeah, they lost 1-0 away at Slough in midweek and then, like you say, 0-0 with Chippenham on Saturday is not, not a great result. For St Albans, as we said, they dropped back into the relegation places following a disappointing home defeat to Haven and Waterlooville. And Ian Allison, he said the first half performances is what's costing them at the minute and it's the same again on Saturday, he said. But they can take positives from the second half performance that they've put in over the last couple of weeks and it's the same again on Saturday. But for Haven, this win was a perfect medicine for manager Paul Dodd well, he missed the match through illness and, well, they're still away behind Wheelstone, but you wouldn't rule them out, would you? They've got a game in hand as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, they were my pick, having a Waterloo bill. They upset the world on fire at the start of the season, but they're right up there. Uh, as we all know uh, in football and particularly in the National League, you know, Wilston could be sat where they are and then something find themselves three, four games without a win. You just don't know. Uh, Jonah, a younger, uh, really smashing in the goals for having a Waterloo bill this year. Somebody who caught the eye of uh, our uh, other member of the podcast is Tom Lang uh, a couple of seasons ago when he first uh, cropped up pre-season at Sutton. And the story of the day off the pitch, well, it came from that team, Billerick Town again. I'm just thinking a massive opportunity has been missed here. Somebody could have been filming a fly-on-the-wall documentary on Billerick Town for the last couple of seasons. What viewing it would have made and they could have used, uh, sadly, I have to say on this occasion, some CCTV footage that uh, Ricky Town will have somewhere of uh, burglars driving mm. across their pitch, uh, carving it up after all the rain and uh, breaking into the clubhouse. Uh, there is not a week goes by without something uh, dramatic happening at Ricky Town. Yeah, you need to get Netflix on it, I think, don't we? And uh, that would certainly be a good watch. Manager Jamie O'Hara at Billerick as well has been given a backing by the new consortium as well, which has taken over the club as well. And um, 
they feel like they're in a good place. A good thing about this takeover is, as well, is that it's a lot of local businessmen and, most importantly, fans as well on board. It's not somebody who's coming from the outside, in a way. Yeah, that's impressive. And I think O'Hara's been impressive so far, uh, you know, with with his management and his leadership. But just, I guess, the experience he's had at a much higher level will, will, will hopefully stand him in good stead. But they've got a bit of ground to make up for the rookie. They obviously have played less than anybody else now with that postponement yesterday against... Uh, Weymouth, but uh, so they've only played 14 games, but they're five points off the playoffs, and you know, uh, 17 behind the leaders, Wimbledon, uh, sort of so now, so a bit of ground to make up. And uh, if Billy Ricky are not careful, they might end up doing what they did last year, boys, which is missing out by one place and one point, I think, on the playoffs at the end of the season. There has to be a minimum expectation for them to be in the playoffs, whereas other sides up there, like Dawkins in seventh. Well, there's at least one hunger, but it ends in Ford, doesn't it? So there we go. <laughs> That's gone over everyone's head, hasn't it? There you go. Just for you. Just for you. <laughs> I know. It's time for Ian that he came on last week after a 2 0 defeat. He did get to come on again this week after a 3 0. But he'll have his day. He has plenty of days throughout the season. Yeah, but he'll enjoy walking his dog this morning, certainly, won't he, out there in uh, this this cold weather after after a win like that. Well, boys, uh, thanks again for, for joining us. Rob, thank you. Yeah, pleasure. As always, boys, have a good week. Chris, thanks a lot for your wisdom and insight once again. Oh, well, thank you very much. <laughs> thanks, Jack. Thanks, <laughs> uh, Dickie, uh, thank you again. Uh, once again, you, you, you've got some stats there that you wheeled out once again. You're very welcome, Luke. It's always really good to catch up with you. Excellent. And don't forget again, once again, to subscribe to us. Uh, follow us on Twitter at NL Full Time. Subscribe via iTunes and Spotify. Until then, we'll see you all next week. Thank you very much for listening.